Let's hit it. And welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about? Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I am thrilled you can join us today. If you liked our opening music, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band, and you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms. For those that are new to our show, Alzheimer Speaks Radio is about sound information, not just sound bites, and we are about raising everyone's voice large and small, all around the world. So maybe, just maybe, you might be our next guest. Feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to talk with you about that. Now, I'm proud to announce that Alzheimer's Speaks Radio has partnered with the Roseville Alzheimer's and Dementia Community Action Team, and we've pulled together a series called Dementia Caring and Coping During the Pandemic. And so today is part of that series, and we are going to be talking with two women who represent a couple of different organizations, and they are going to tell us how their services have changed and what they have to offer and how that is helping families. I also want to thank our listeners. Your likes, your clicks, your shares have been just unbelievable to us, and we are so grateful and continue to be grateful for you helping us spread the word and connect people to the resources, products, and tools that they need. So keep in mind, Alzheimer Speaks Radio has been around a long time. In fact, we were the first radio show uh, globally to, to focus specifically on dementia and caregiving. So we've got lots of things you can listen to. Everything is archived for the past over 10 years. Now, let me go ahead and do a couple of shout outs before I introduce our guests. The Memory Cafe directory is a great place where you can connect to others dealing with dementia. These groups are basically meant to help people who are diagnosed along with their care partners to build a new support group um, and a set of peers. And I have the privilege of facilitating two of those groups. And one is with um, Arthur's Senior Care. And we do virtual meetings now on the second and the fourth Wednesday of each month from one to about 2.30 Central Time. And then I also work with Artist Senior Living, and we do one on the third Wednesday of each month, same time frame. So if you're interested in either of those, you can reach out to me or go to memorycafedirectory.com, and you will find all of the virtual Memory Cafes under the Cafe Connect button there. Next, I want to shout out to uh, Dementia Map, which uh, Dave Wiedrich and I pulled together and just launched. I'm so excited. This is a global resource directory, and everyone is welcome. There is a free plan, and there are also paid plans, but it is free to the public. We don't ask you for any identifying information. We just want you to connect 
with the resources, products, and tools that you need and you deserve. So go to DementiaMap.com and browse away. Also want to shout out to Coral Health, C-O-R-O Health. They have two apps they are giving away for free during COVID, so take advantage of that. Uh, one is Music First, the other is Coral Faith. And we are now going to listen to the Footbar Walker, and we will be right back. Introducing the life-changing Footbar Walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The Footbar Walker revolutionized my care of George. It absolutely benefits the patient and the caregiver both, and that's the beauty of it. It's so easy to use. It folds up just like a dream. I got it in and out of the car without any effort at all. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle? to get up from a seated position? Are you a caregiver dealing with physical pain and stress as you help your patient? The Footbar Walker was designed to assist not only the patient, but also the caregiver. Patients have more control standing up and no lifting from the caregiver is required. See how it works at thefootbarwalker.com. That's thefootbarwalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend the Footbar Walker? Do I ever? I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for the Footbar Walker. So let's move forward with the Caring and Coping During the Pandemic series. So let me introduce you to the two women we're going to be talking with today. Chrissy Barron is a licensed social worker and caregiver specialist who practices extensively supporting families and professional care partners. Through her ongoing education over 30 years of experience in long-term care, home and community-based services, hospice, along with her own journey as a care partner to her husband. Chrissy brings a unique and all-encompassing outlook and understanding on how to support those that care. Through education, coaching, mentoring, and peer support, she helps people understand themselves and others so that they can care better. She believes how you start dictates where you'll end. We also have Catherine Tundra, who is the program director of St. Anthony Park Area Senior Programs, and she works on increasing awareness about all that they have to offer and attending to client needs, managing the office, directs programs and activities and events, and manages foundation requests. And she represents the organization in the community as well as supervises office staff. Catherine worked for St. Anthony Park Area Seniors as a volunteer for 16 months and has been a paid staff member for the past eight years. So welcome, ladies. I am so excited to have the two of you with us today. You both are doing such great services in, in different ways, and I think it's going to be wonderful for our audience to hear about what all you're doing in some depth. But before I get on our, our track of questioning, I always like to ask if you have been personally touched by any form of dementia in your own family or circle of friends. And Chrissy, I'm going to throw it to you first, if you don't mind. Sure. I have. So my husband is a Gulf War vet. And although it doesn't, isn't called Alzheimer's or dementia, there's some significant memory loss and a lot of things that apply the same as um, you would see in a person with dementia or Alzheimer's. So living it, <laughs> living it, supporting it, huge Tipa Snow fans. What I love about her is she brings the why. And I think that that's why we do what I, 
I do what I do is to bring some meaning to the journey that we're currently on. Well, and it's it's nice when you have that authentic voice that's really lived it too. It brings a different perspective. And not that you can't do that if you haven't personally been touched. You know, it just depends on how you connect with your clients. Catherine, how about you? My father-in-law uh, had been diagnosed with Huntington's disease in 2009. And part of what that disease brings is dementia. We saw over the last... Uh, 11 years, more uh, short-term memory loss. And one of the things that we really enjoyed uh, doing with him was was uh, checking out the memory minder kits from the Roseville Library that the Roseville Alzheimer's and Dementia Community Action Team worked on together. And we really enjoyed using those materials with him uh, to help spark his memories from earlier days. He did pass away in November of 2020, and uh, until the end, we were able to talk to him and be with him and uh, remember the good times of the old old days. Wonderful. Thank you. Chrissy, I'm going to go back to you again. I want you to tell us a little bit about the mission of your organization and how it relates to caring for people with dementia. My organization is called Embrace, and I started it when I became a caregiver after a while. I'm a licensed social worker, and so I've been on people's journeys for the last 30 years. We kind of touched on it earlier in the sense that we can read all the books, and we can get all the education, and we can do all those things to support our caregivers, but there are a certain amount of things that until you are a caregiver that you just can't know. My mission is to help people understand the why of how they feel as caregivers, as people living with dementia, because one of the hardest things, if you're a caregiver, you will know is that supporting someone, the hardest part of that sometimes is their head, meaning how they're processing their own experiences and their own diseases, and that in between where we know something's going on and when we don't. So really helping people change their stories by understanding why and really coming from a place of peace, curiosity, and grace instead of war, judgment, and punishment. It brings meaning to our journey if I can help people understand what they're experiencing, what they're going through. And from a professional standpoint, I can now bridge the gap between professionals and families and help us professionals understand where we're missing the boat and where we can help people build better stories. I believe as professionals, we have a responsibility to the stories of the people we support. No matter what role you play on that journey, you you most definitely add a chapter to the book. And what I get as a professional directly mirrors what you get as a family. So one of the new things I've created is a system of how to design alliances with our families. Things like that to make both our journeys easier as professionals and as, as families. Because the stories that are created for us as families last a lifetime. And they can be stories that we tell the rest of our life. We only get one shot and bringing meaning to ours and purpose and and helping others find some peace. So that's why we're here. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. And you talk with people uh, and deal with people around the world. It doesn't have to be just locally here in Minnesota, correct? Okay. Great. And Catherine, why don't you tell us a little bit about the organizations that you work with? 
my organization is called St. Anthony Park Area Seniors, and our mission is to serve seniors and caregivers and support them as they stay independent uh, living in their, in their home setting, as long as that's safe and, and what they want to do. We serve people in St. Anthony Park, which is a neighborhood of St. Paul, Lauderdale, and the western part of Falcon Heights. We provide services and activities to people in that area if they are individualized for them. We focus on that service area, but for things that we do as activities, they're in group settings, anyone can, anyone can participate. And these days, a lot of those activities are actually through a virtual platform on Zoom. So uh, it makes it even easier for other people. In fact, for one of our exercise classes right now, we have someone from Wisconsin joining in. So. Okay, wonderful. And you also are a member of a network, the Living at Home? Yes, the Living at Home Network is a group of 32 programs that are similar to ours that are all around Minnesota. Twelve of them are in the metro area and the rest are in greater Minnesota. We all have the same mission of trying to support seniors and caregivers in their independence, but we, we do that in different ways. We, we have some similar uh, services, such as I think we all have provide rides to medical appointments, but other activities and, and services that we have uh, may change uh, from program to program. But yes, the Living at Home Network is, is a big supporter and a big umbrella that we all fall under and really get support from each other that way. Wonderful. That's great. And Chrissy, I, I'm going to bounce this back to you again. With all the COVID-19 restrictions, you know, it's had a huge impact on how we all live, but it's also had a huge impact on how people serve and the activities that can be offered to those with dementia and their care partners. So how has it affected you since you, you know, I mean, you can kind of creep and crawl all around the world connecting with people. So you might have been a little bit more pliable in terms of, of the services that you offer than some. So what's interesting about that is I was not. I'm a, I'm a people person. So before COVID, I would stand in front of 600 people, no problem. I would come to your facility. I would come sit at your dining room table. I would do all those things that were people-y, right? <laughs> the social platform or the internet and the, it, it wasn't my thing. But then COVID came and it's like somebody erased my whiteboard that I forgot to write the notes down from and I had to start all over. I mean, that's one thing about having your own business is you get to make stuff up. When I say that, it means that you have to reinvent yourself all the time. So from there, I tried to settle into this, which I have. And the benefit of that is from a professional standpoint, our professionals in healthcare fields are so busy. So if I can offer uh, a lunch and learn and, and kind of say, hey, this is my designing alliances with families, for instance. We can sit down during lunch and we can have that. Nobody has to go anywhere. Nobody has to do anything. Part two of that is YouTube. I scoured the YouTube. I just typed in do-it-yourself caregiving. There was nothing <laughs> and very, very few caregiving things. So on the internet, on YouTube, I started my channel. So I've had to really, really morph as far as supporting individual families. I'm finding it a lot easier. And here's why. 
we always have to kind of plan for the meeting. You have to have people cleaning their houses and, oh my gosh, what are we going to do about this? And what are we going to do about that? And this, we can either do phone or we can do Zoom. So it takes, it takes a different experience, but it's still an amazing experience in the sense that I always say through this COVID that we may all be in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. And I think the same applies for caregiving. And I think sometimes we can feel like we're in a dinghy, right? Like we're all by ourselves in this little dinghy. And I think by opening that opportunity up to be able to do it virtually, whether by phone or by Zoom, I think part of that is it's been normalized by society. <laughs> like this is normal now, where before it was, I don't know if we thought it was the easy way out. I don't know what we thought we don't change until we have to sometimes. And so it's been really awesome to, to be able to reach more people. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that is one of the benefits that a lot of people are seeing about going virtual is it's, it's expanded and it's exposed what they're doing so that there's more knowledge out there. Plus it's giving other organizations ideas of what is possible and what the needs are or what needs are already being met maybe in their community and they need to pivot to do something else or partner to expand. And we look at the support groups, like how hard is it for people to get to support groups? Yep. If you are caring for someone, that's a lot of work. Yep. <laughs> we yep. don't, I don't think we realize that until we're sitting there, right? We're waiting for them to show up and we have no idea how much work that takes to do that. Exactly. Catherine, so, how, about, how about your organization? Well, in March, when everything shut down, everything was canceled for us too. We had to cancel all of our activities and we took a big pause on services because we didn't know, you know, what we'd be allowed to do. Uh, very quickly, we had a little task force with our board members. We had a little subset that met with me and we talked about, well, what can we do to alter anything so that we can still be providing services and activities. We made some really great changes to a few of our things, which took some effort, but we did, for instance, for our rides, we set up new procedures. We take a health screen the day before for the person who's the volunteer who's giving the ride and the senior who was receiving the ride. And Ask them, you know, all those COVID questions. Have they, do they have a new cough? Do they have a new fever? You know, all of that. We also changed what they need to do in the car. The senior needs to sit diagonally behind the driver. Everybody wears a mask. The driver needs to have the car all cleaned up. And we provided little kits of all these things, including gloves and masks. Uh, for the drivers to take on the rides. Now, of course, there weren't as many rides, but that was a really good example of how we changed a service. We also changed how we do grocery shopping. We didn't take the seniors to the store anymore. We had the opportunity to say, hey, what can we go pick up for you? So then the volunteers would get the list and go do the shopping or go just do the pickup even, the curbside pickup and bring it back for the seniors. So those were a couple of, of services that we continued doing all along. And as we let people know that, then we got more volunteers who were interested in, in, hey, I can provide that. I can go pick up some groceries. I'd love to do that. And so that was a really, really great 
We changed some of our activities, like uh, Chrissy was just saying, the support group. Our support group moved to Zoom. I don't think we offered one in April yet, but then starting in May, we had our monthly support groups on Zoom for caregivers, and that has worked beautifully. Along with that, our program, through a grant, purchased a few iPads and hotspots that we could lend out to caregivers so that they would be able to participate. And that has been really nice to have available so that people who didn't have that connection could participate. One of the other things uh, we have had to change some of our activities. So now I think I mentioned earlier that we have exercise now on Zoom. We have a Taiji Shuan class and a chair yoga class that we are doing on Zoom. And so that adds a whole another layer of, of preparation for classes, trying to see how many people we can actually have in the class and still monitor them because we need to see them on the screen. And so that's been exciting and interesting. And we have found a lot of people really interested in doing that. And then the final thing that I wanted to just bring up during this session is we have started a lunch bunch, which is a virtual getting together at lunchtime. We used to do outings, in, especially in the nice weather. We'd go out to a restaurant. Well, we've, we're doing it now on Zoom. People just bring their lunch, and we chat and go around the screen and check in with everybody. And then we usually play bingo. So we've sent cards out to people who have called in to get the Zoom link. And the bingo winner right now is getting a $5 Target gift card. And then we share our screen at the end and usually show some kind of reflective video, or this week we showed New Year's celebrations around the world. It's just a really nice way to get people together, just talking. And of course, we're not sitting around a table together, but we're being together. We do it twice a month and anyone is welcome. All you have to do is call in to get the Zoom link. It's a really, it's a really nice way to to try and stay connected in these in these times. And it's something that we'll probably try to continue even when we can get back together somehow, have things still available so that people who can't get out, like you were just saying, Chrissy, can still participate. Yeah, there are on social media, like on Facebook, there are a lot of groups, and I'll just use Forget-Me-Not as an example. They have a lot of subgroups so they do, some of them have like Friday night specials where they get together on Friday night. Some of them have gardening and cooking groups and book club. I mean, just all kinds of things sprout out of one main group, depending on the interest within the group, which is really cool. But they've been, they've been doing that for, for years. And so one of the, the funny things that they tell me is they're so used to Zoom they really feel like they can teach other um, people and organizations how to utilize it and how beneficial it is because they know the value of the friendships and the connections that they're making during these times. And so I'm not at all surprised that people are loving the lunch bunch because it, it does bring a sense of normality back, even though, hey, I'm making my own lunch, you know, and I'm not being served. But you, you know, you don't have necessarily all the background noise of a restaurant, which can be really beneficial when we're dealing with older people uh, many times as well. I know I'm 
you know, in my early 60s, and that's, uh, I, I understand what my parents were complaining about back in the day when I, I was like, what are you talking about before? So things change and we adapt, and, and those are all those are all really good. And Chrissy, you look like you had a comment. I do, and I think it's a really important one because when we talk about support groups, I think it's really important that we understand that most of us, by the time we get to a support group, Sometimes the last thing I want to talk about is dementia. Sometimes I do because there's something happening I don't understand. And that's where our, our gift of shared experience comes in, right? We can help each other. But I think what's important to understand is it's not focused on dementia. It's focused on being able to get out of the dementia head, be with people who have like-minded experiences. And I think that as we're shifting how we do things, going to the church and going to a support group, I think we can also shift the connotation around support groups and what they actually mean. It might be we're making origami somethings, right? Just to pull your head out of your situation for a few minutes is priceless. Yeah. And to make you feel normal. I mean, nobody wants to be a disease. Nobody. We want to be a person first and this is part of it. But if, if that part would show its ugly head, and not that it's always ugly, but that everyone else is going to understand, and I don't have to cringe or feel embarrassed or ashamed or frightened, I know that I'm in a supportive group, and that that's massive. That is absolutely massive. I want to ask, and I'm going to go to Catherine on this one first, have you adapted your services? You know, I know you talked about initially. Have you done other things over the seven or eight months, or was that kind of included in that, that last question? I wasn't really clear on. Those were things that we did early on. In the summer, we made other adaptations, like using more PPE and doing health questions for, for instance, our foot care nurses before they would go into a home or the handyman. So that happened in the summer. Uh, we had them start going back into homes. Those are paid independent contractors who work with us, and they were comfortable with doing that. We still are not having volunteers go into homes because that it's just not not the right thing. And, and the seniors kind of aren't, aren't ready for that yet either. But we are doing a lot of things over the phone. We're doing kind of visits over the phone, which is just, you know, what we used to do a long time ago is call people up. So instead of going to visit, they're calling. It has been a little tricky, but we've also tried to do some technology help. One of the things we offer is help using your computer. A volunteer can call up a senior or a caregiver and try and help them. This is how you connect to Zoom. This is how you do some of these other virtual things that you haven't been doing before. We have slowly woven back in a lot of things, just trying to do it either over the phone or over Zoom. We're interviewing new volunteers and other people who would be on our list through Zoom. That's actually worked out pretty well. Like you were saying, you know, we can connect. We don't have to go and be there uh, to meet the person eye to eye. One of the other things that kind of touches on something you were just talking about right before the winter holidays, our volunteer who had been helping do card making sessions, you know, around a table as an activity. She said, hey, how about we contact some of the people, well, the people who've been doing that with us and see if they would like to make any 
cards on their own at home and we could assemble all the supplies and, you know, deliver a little bag to them. And I said, that is a fantastic idea. And so we contacted the people and I think we delivered six or seven bags out to people so that they could make their own holiday cards or some of them had didn't want to do holiday cards. So they made birthday cards. We will do that again at Valentine's Day and hopefully maybe by the next time we would normally do cards, we might be able to get together, but it's a, it's a great way to continue to try and do something. We're just now also trying to think about other things that we could do to try and have an activity either all together on Zoom. I brought up at our office when we we were talking about things that we did over the holidays. My family made gingerbread houses all over the country. You know, we all got together on Zoom and we're making our gingerbread houses together and talking and laughing. And, and we had a little voting and contest afterwards. And when my coworkers said, hey, do you think that we could do something like that? Have an activity over Zoom where we're all doing something together. And so I'm exploring that now, what it would be, how we'd get whatever we're going to make together and get it distributed out to seniors and caregivers. It's a really good thing for pairs of people to do together too. And that has been really a, a fun thing to think about. Okay, great. Chrissy, how about you? Have you done, I mean, you mentioned a lot of ways that you uh, made changes. Was there anything from, when you originally started to now, you had talked about a new product and, and things like that and really getting Zoomified in, in your business dealings. Anything else that you want to add on that? So yes, Zoom. <laughs> I also developed this thing called the to-be list because we all have our to-do list. And part of, I think, in when we say um, you have to take care of yourself, I have a reaction to that when people say that to me because it somewhat irritates me in the sense that what exactly does that mean? So I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out what that means. We can go take care of our core and our foundation by eating green things and exercising and doing all those things. And those are super important, but they don't do much to help me when I come back home and I enter the same storm I left. I've been trying to figure out and have now figured out some of the tools that I can help us be more proactive in how we react to things, how we see things, how we, the story that we tell ourselves. The to-be list really helps us kind of prepare. It actually helps us understand, like taking a picture of your whole situation, if you will. So let's say I have caregiving, I have finances, I have family, I have whatever, okay? So each of us have containers of life. So the to-be list takes a look at the containers and kind of scales them out. So what's going really okay finances i got money in the bank we have food in the cupboard nothing's bouncing everybody's happy so i can find peace and comfort and not have to do that this one this caregiving thing particularly in in my house these last couple of weeks which um <laughs> which has been really hard and one of the most important things that i've learned in the last couple of weeks is it's not about being lazy we always think we should do more right? And I'm going to change that. And I'm going to say, we can, 
but do we have the capacity? It's really taking a look at, do you have the capacity to do more? Because we are doing all the time as caregivers. And when we sit down to do something for ourselves, there's some kind of story that happens in our head that we should be doing something else. Really, the to-be list has helped me take and help you come from more of a, a thinking brain instead of an emotional brain. So for instance, let's say, let's say we have to go to the doctor and I'm really super scared about that. So when I do my to-do list, we have to go to the doctor. How I need to show up right there is I need to be brave. What is the story I tell myself before I even get there? So if I can set myself up and Jeff up for more success before we even get into our day, I then have some capacity to know that this is going to be the hard stuff, but my peace and my peace is over here right? This is where I can find my peace and quiet. I've learned a lot about the best way to take care of ourselves is the story we tell ourselves because that will send us into a tailspin faster than anything. So you can find the to be list video on my YouTube channel at Chrissy Barron. Wonderful. Thank you. Catherine. I just had one other thing that I wanted to mention. We did have a poetry class on Zoom this fall, which was really fun and uh, spearheaded and taught by actually one of our board members who used to be an English teacher. We brought in new people to our program who uh, had never done anything with St. Anthony Park area seniors before, and they really enjoyed it. In fact, they enjoyed it so much that it was supposed to be a five-week or six-week class, and they extended it another three weeks because they really wanted to continue. Oh, cool. That is wonderful. Next, I want to talk about what kinds of things you've heard from families. And, And Catherine, maybe before I have you answer this one, maybe we should show that video because you were getting so many people requesting what do you do and and so forth that that might be helpful. To talk more about what our program's been doing during the pandemic, we were asked by a funder to show what we've been doing. Here is a few minute video that talks about St. Anthony Park area seniors in the pandemic. COVID-19 has thrown everyone for a loop. In the pandemic's early stages, St. Anthony Park area seniors canceled its in-person activities and many of its home visits. We revised our schedule so that only one staff member at a time was in the office. We moved board and committee meetings online. Subsequently, in accordance with guidelines from the State of Minnesota and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, we have resumed some activities and services, revising our practices, protocols, and delivery methods to enable us to continue fulfilling our mission, to enrich the lives of community seniors and provide assistance in maintaining independence and interdependence through professionals and volunteers providing at-home living assistance, wellness activities, nursing care, and caregiver support. We are providing rides for non-COVID-19 medical visits. Drivers are given car cleaning kits and follow new protocols, including masks and wellness screens. We have resumed foot care visits, with nurses wearing additional personal protective equipment 
and following stricter standards set forth by the American Foot Care Nurses Association. We have resumed our handyman services with stricter protocols, including additional PPE. We began calling seniors we have served in the last year or so to see how they're doing and whether we can help them with anything. We're doing more grocery shopping and delivering for seniors. We created virtual versions of two of our exercise classes, chair yoga and tai chi tuan, moving for better balance, offered through Juniper. We began hosting the Lunch Bunch, a virtual lunch gathering on alternate Wednesdays. During that hour, we check in with seniors, play online bingo, and watch a relaxing video. We moved our caregiver support group to Zoom. We started a six-week Zoom poetry class. We purchased iPads and Internet hotspots to loan to seniors so they can participate in our online activities. We added activities that seniors can do at home to our e-newsletter, website, and Facebook page. Some of our services have not been affected by the pandemic. Raking, yard work, and other outdoor chores. Our new call-in wellness check, hello service. Sending greeting cards. And providing information about and referrals to other organizations to assist seniors with their everyday lives. The pandemic has challenged us. It has also given us a new appreciation for our partners, including the private foundations and government entities whose support continues to be a vital part of our efforts to serve seniors. We will emerge from the pandemic a stronger, more nimble, more versatile organization one that continues our commitment to reduce isolation, help seniors stay in their homes, and tap the talents and spirit of the many volunteers who help us do our work. What have you heard from families so far on that? Families, of course, at the beginning, everybody was just like, ah, what, what's going on? And, and they really, they didn't want us to stop doing what we were doing. I remember talking at one of our game days all the game day participants just love coming to game day. They always bring treats and they, they just enjoy being together so much and they play Scrabble and dominoes. And it's, it's really a very close social circle and they just didn't want to stop. But then of course we had to stop. They understood that they appreciated the, the safety that was uh, being held up. They really are looking forward to coming back, you know, as soon as possible. But I think everybody has been very understanding. And of course, they don't want to put themselves in a, in a bad situation or be found in a bad situation. And everybody is very understanding and very appreciative of what we have been doing. They've all been very grateful for the opportunities to do things like the lunch and the poetry class that I was talking about and that we are still offering services that we are offering I think the, the one that was really 
most spurred on by clients was to get back to the foot care because their toenails were getting long. And uh, the reason they have foot care is because they can't trim their toenails themselves. That was, we were getting calls about that. When are we going to start that up? When are we going to start that up again? And when we were- it's painful and it can be dangerous. It is, Exactly, exactly. That really spurred us on to really look into- how we could do that safely. So our nurses and I kept really a close look on the American Foot Care Nurses Association of what they were recommending and how they were re-entering going into people's homes to take care of feet. Okay, great. Okay, how about you, Chrissy? Any any comments and feedbacks from family? Mostly the isolation and watching people suffer is really one of the things that have come across a lot in the people that I'm supporting. I think you can also get into a routine of isolation, being lonesome. It's hard yep. to be in the same house with someone and still be lonesome. Yeah, it's kind of one of the worst feelings there is mm-hmm. to be to be alone together. How about the biggest challenges you've faced? And Chrissy, I'll go to you and then to Catherine. My biggest challenge is just kind of trying to separate work from from caregiving a little bit. It's hard. You don't leave work anymore. You don't leave home anymore. So finding kind of that balance has been a little tricky. Okay. Well, that's a really, really good point that I think a lot of people don't realize or don't talk about, but yet has a, has a huge, huge effect. How about you, Catherine? What about challenges? I think one of the biggest challenges is, of course, this isn't the same as getting together in person. Now, this is a little bit different because we are just talking to each other, but you don't get the same experience. And we've noticed even in board meetings or or committee meetings, it's hard also because you can't talk at the same time. So it's harder to have like a discussion because people are trying to talk at the same time and Zoom can't handle that. <laughs> I think that adds, it, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time, the Zoom. It doesn't always work right. Sometimes it freezes up and sometimes there are other things that blip, it flashes or whatever. And sometimes it's user error, just even trying to get everybody who isn't familiar with technology to be able to use it. Even people who have computers, it's like, where's the microphone? How do I turn that on? And it's just, it's a big learning curve. And I would say a final big thing of the challenge is when is this going to end? And we don't really know. We kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel now, but we don't know when it's finally going to be done. Chrissy, do you see your organization continuing to adapt with the things that you've learned through COVID? Yeah, and I I will tell you that the biggest thing is that I'm doing this to bring meaning to our journey. And what I didn't realize by not embracing this wonderful platform is I can hit so many more people. And for me, the more people I hit, the more impact I have. And that's really what it all means to me. So absolutely, this was a good thing on some levels, a horrible thing on others. And I don't know what normal looks like. I don't know what I want to go back to. Well, and I think it's it's been able to reduce some budgets in some ways, but still give services. And that's a good thing because everyone's budgets are tight, especially through COVID. But just looking at different ways to connect and the possibilities are kind of endless and the empowerment that it has given people to be able to connect like this for, I I can't tell you how many people I heard that say, 
I didn't think I could do this, you know, and then all of a sudden I can do this with my book club and I can do this with my prayer chain and I can do this in Bible study and I can do it, you know, and with my knitting club and, and all of a sudden they're connected and they feel in control, which I think is what so many pe people felt a loss for. How about with your organization, Catherine? Do you see some of this continuing still? I think that we'll have to try and figure out how we can still offer an online presence. When we do, say say we have a, a live exercise class, we might still have the Zoom going in the background so that people can participate at home. So yes, we will have to really consider that because we can reach more people just like you were saying it it and and it also helps you know in snowstorms we used to have to cancel things because of blizzards and whatever and now we won't have to we can just do it on zoom yeah wonderful how about and christy i'll go to you first any last advice that you have that you want to share um, briefly with family and also with with other organizations one of the most dangerous things that we can do as caregivers is spend a lot of time alone in our head <laughs> um, because we, we make up a lot of things that aren't happening. And in general, as humans, only 2% of the story we tell ourselves is true, right? So I would say that if you feel like you're in a bed spin and you need to put your foot on the floor, you, you can't get that bed to stop spinning, then look up somebody like Catherine in the support services or someone like me who is there for simply peer mentoring, coaching, peer support. It's cost effective and you don't have to leave the house. If you're having bad stories, you're spending too much time in your head. <laughs> okay, good advice. Catherine, how about you? I would just say uh, something that I had written down for this last part is just to try and boost your resilience to things. I learned a new tool that I wanted to share from the Minnesota Gerontological Society's webinar that I recently watched. And so it listed these few things, practice gratitude, be active, take notice, keep learning, give to others, and connect. I thought those were just lovely and I've been putting them in my, you know, email messages and e-newsletter and out on the Facebook because I just think they're lovely things to remember and you can do all of these things from home. Wonderful. Now to reach these ladies, you can get a hold of Chrissy by going to her website, embracingjourneys.com, embracingjourneys.com or Chrissy, K-R-I-S-I-E at embracingjourneys.com is her email. And phone is 320-360-4724. And then for Catherine, you can reach her through the website, which is www.sapaseniors.org. So that's St. Anthony Park Area Seniors. Or her email is office at sapaseniors.org. And the phone number there is 651-642-9052. Thank you both for your time, your, your energy, your brilliance, your services. Thank you. Thank you. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurpose on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.